Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here with us today. If you are a visitor today, make sure that you have a bulletin. Any one of our ushers can get you one. We have restrooms in the back should you need it. Today's a special day that we're celebrating, and we're grateful to have you all be a part of it. We start our um, new consecration uh, worship for the month today with speakers that will be in all of our services and uh, elements leading towards Consecration Sunday on the 22nd. And we also celebrate the lives of church members that we've lost in the last year, uh, in which we'll read each name and there will be a candle lit in that person's honor and uh, we'll ring the bell each time we read a name. Uh, so I know that um, there's great joy in your hearts as you hear those names and, and sadness as well in the names that we've lost, but we're going to celebrate them today. Um, I'll give you a brief update because I know this is the best way to do it um, on Conrad Robertson. Conrad went to um, the... Um, it's the re it's the rehab. Uh, I'm singing bridges. What is it? Cottages. I'm sorry. He went to the cottages um, to to rehab, um, but was not doing well there, and is now in Greer Hospital. And the, we um, will make sure that your leaders in your classes know that to get that around to you, and we'll also put that in the email exactly um, how he's doing and and how we can support him. I believe. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, we're hosting Charge Conference today. Charge Conference in the United Methodist Church is a celebration of the year that's just been completed and a look forward to the year that is to come. And um, every church does it every year. What's different about this year is that our district superintendent has put us uh, eight churches together to all celebrate Charge Conference together. And um, we are the host of that event at 3 p.m. today. So if you, there will be a 45 minute worship service of all the churches combined here um, and then we'll go uh, into our uh, separate rooms to settle all the business and celebrate the years that were. I'd love to have you if you're available to come to the worship service and coming to the service um, does not commit you to the business element. Our, our leaders, church leaders will go to the um, elected leaders from this year will go to the business element. So if you want to come to the 3 o'clock worship service it will be here in the sanctuary and, and I would love to have you. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
Please stand as you're able for our first hymn for all the saints, and we're going to sing the first four verses only. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
please be seated. It's now time to remember those that we've lost since last All Saints. We're going to read a name and you may pray silently, reflect on this person. You may um, keep your eyes open. You may close them. We're going to ring a bell with each name that we read. And we're going to light a candle as we read each name. I'm going to call the acolytes forward. Betty K, October 30th, 2014. Wayne Reeve, January 1st, 2015. Anthony Tony Hammond, January 11th, 2015. Marion Philpot, January 16th, 2015. Norman Philpot, January 16th, 2015. Sylvia Giles, January 26th, 2015. Eloise Hendricks, February 21st, 2015. Dean Price, April 5th, 2015. Steve Rogers, May 19th, 2015. Doris Hatcher, May 21st, 2015. Aggie Glenn, May 28th, 2015. Virginia McClure, September 22nd, 2015. Martha Leonard, October 19th, 2015. Mildred Seymour, October 19th, 2015. Obina Beanie Robertson, October 23rd, 2015. Let us pray. Eternal God, 
We praise you for the great company of all those who have finished their course in faith and now rest from their labor. We praise you for those dear to us whom we name in our hearts before you. Especially today we praise you for these names in which we've read, whom you have graciously received into your presence. To all of these we can think of, grant your peace. Let your perpetual light shine upon them and help us so to believe where we have not seen that your presence may lead us through our years and bring us at last with them into the joy of your home, not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord, as we consider those we have lost in the past year, we consider the times in which we surrounded them and their families in love and care, times in which we prayed for them, praying knowing that you have the power to heal. But Lord, remind us that there are other types of healing than physical healing. When at times our frail bodies cannot be healed physically. You still bring healing. You can heal relationships of the family members that surround the loved one. You can heal us spiritually. And we ask, Lord, that you help us to pray for all of these types of healing throughout this year with our loved ones, with those who are ill, with those who have become well again, knowing that you surround us all we hope to raise our awareness. Inspire us this morning, Lord, through your hymns, through your prayers, through your songs, through your scripture. Teach us the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. scripture lesson this morning is found on page 1501 in your pew Bibles chapter 5 1 through 5 this is when Jesus is leaving Capernaum going to a mountain to instruct his disciples and a crowd follows him and they get to hear the greatest of all of Jesus's sermons the Sermon on the Mount and Matthew 5 begins the Beatitudes. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Throughout November, we will be celebrating New Consecration Sunday. It's important to have a solid leader from your church that prepares your church to do every step the best it can possibly be. And I'm grateful today to introduce Mary Lee. Mary, if you'll just wave to everybody, I know that's not your thing. Thank you, Mary. Mary is organizing our entire church. Come on up, Rosalind. And she is organizing speakers to tell us about their call uh, to service and giving in, at Memorial. And this morning, it's uh, Rosalind Smith. Well, I'm just glad to be here because last night I was chased around by a gorilla most of the night. <laughs> Good morning. What an exciting time to be at Memorial. And now it's time for us to think about what we can do for Memorial. I ran into Elaine Rush last week, and of course we're all reading our homework assignment, and she said, Rosalind, you're just not going to believe chapter 5. And she went on and on and on about chapter 5, and of course I had to tell her that I hadn't gotten that far yet. But I did read it, Elaine. And I have to tell you that it is one of the most inspiring explanations of extravagant generosity. I urge each of you to read chapter 5, and if you don't, please don't tell Elaine or Joe. Okay, let me share just a couple of thoughts from chapter 5 with you. Every sanctuary and every chapel in which we have worshipped, every church organ that has lifted our spirits, every pew where we have sat, every communion rail where we have knelt, every hymnal for which we have sung, every choir that has touched our hearts, every church classroom where we have gathered with our friends, every church kitchen that has prepared our meals, every church van that has taken us to camp, every church camp cabin where we have slept, are all fruits of someone's extravagant generosity. We have been the recipients of grace upon grace. We are the heirs of those who came before us and who were touched by the generosity of Christ enough to give graciously so that we could experience the truth of Christ for ourselves. We owe that the same to that generation that's coming forth. Generosity is a fruit of the Spirit a worthy spiritual aspiration. Generosity is the opposite of selfishness, self-centeredness, and self-absorption. To practice extravagant generosity requires self-control, patience, kindness, faith, and love of God and neighbor. These build us up, equip us for life and ministry, and foster attitudes that are sustaining, enriching, and meaningful. Giving changes both the giver and the church. Thank you for your support of Memorial, and God bless Memorial. Thank you, Rosalind. I'm going to call the ushers forward, and I'm going to explain to you what card you're about to receive. It's very simple. It's a um, reservation for our uh, young come forward for our celebration dinner on November 22nd. Um, on November 22nd, we will have one service, and, and I won't be complicated. Normally, it's the fifth Sunday, we would have one service. It's going to be the fourth. On November 22nd, we'll have one combined service in this space at 10 o'clock. And then we'll have a lunch in the Family Life Center directly following that 
celebrating consecration. And so um, Sheila Springfield is um, the uh, owner of the Chocolate Toad downtown, and she is uh, catering, catering our meal. It will be delicious. And so what we want you to do is to say how many are in your family and if you plan to come. If you do not plan to come, make sure that you still write your name and put that you do not plan to come so that we'll be aware of that. We just want to make sure that everyone is, as uh, I had to say the Citadel all the time, present or accounted for. Um, so if you will please put that and then put it in the offering plate. Right. Efforting. And um, ushers, once you complete that, the choir gives great service to us every day, and they are currently behind this wall. So if you can come to them. It's now time for our offering. If you'll give uh, our, our tithes and other offerings, and if you'll place your, um, if you borrowed a pencil, if you'll put that in the offering plate, and make sure you put your card in your offering plate. Thank you.
I went away from our uh, reflections on the book, although I love Rosalind references in it. That's awesome. I went away from it in terms of picking the text just simply because of All Saints today. And I thought, what scripture passage in the Bible um, jumps out to me this year to celebrate All Saints Sunday? And it's from Deuteronomy 34, starting with verse 1. And you can find that on page 329 in your Bible. Some of our Bibles are a little bit different, um, so it's, it should be right there if it's not 329. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised an oath on to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We sometimes can have a distinct disadvantage in reading the Bible because of the intricate um, explanations of family and the locations of which we're not familiar. There's a time when every minister moves to a new congregation when you start to meet a person and then you realize they're connected to this person and then you realize that person's connected to this person and they're all connected to this person. And they all have a certain geography that has total significance that you don't know until you go see them or you have lunch with them or they talk to you after the service and you go, oh, that makes total sense. It's up 14. I thought it was up 101. Whatever. But in the Bible, unless we're in it all the time and staying fresh because it's so detailed, at times we can think, okay, what is any of that? So I thought, okay, well, let's think of geographical locations that are closer to us that might, you, you might have seen. Um, Crowder's Mountain State Park is close to where I grew up in Rock Hill, and you can climb to the top of it, and on one side you can see the Charlotte skyline way off, and you can see Rock Hill, and on the other side you can see Interstate 85 going south. You can see all sorts of lands. Uh, we take the girls up past um, Asbury Hills to um, Bald Rock and to Caesar's Head, things like that, there is a place where you can go and you can see all kinds of hills, mountains, land, trees. I've done a wedding at Pretty Place at the YMCA, and my goodness, they did an amazing job putting a um, decline on the worship space so that you're all looking straight out into this amazing picture. These are places that are a little closer to us. They still may not be as familiar to you, but the thing you want to think about is uh, a journey that takes a significant amount of effort and time to get to the top of it, and somewhere around 80% of it you think, oh, why did I commit to this? And then when you get to the top of it, you say, this is why. So that I can see out there, so that I can see this amazing view. Moses climbs to the top of that and looks out over the future of the people of Israel, the place where they will live. Now why is it important to mention all these places? Because these places have been mentioned for decades to the people of Israel 
that this would be their land. And he's now looking out there. It's the culmination of everything that God has promised. And so I'm thinking he's looking at the view, which must be amazing. And I'm thinking he's, reflection, he's reflecting on what it took to get there. Not just up the mountain that day, but all the places he's been to lead his people to that place. He was called out of the wilderness after committing murder. Moses, you know, floated down the river as an infant to save his very life. He was picked up by one of the Egyptians. He was raised by the Egyptians. He had that great place and those great friends, but then one day he saw the Egyptians abusing his people on a level that he did not like. And so he just lashed out violently, as people are prone to do both in the Bible and here today. In that violent lashing out, he found himself in a very difficult place and he had to run for his life away from everything he had ever known. Out to nowhere. Hoping no one would ever notice him. And then out there in that place, he's called by God and he says, I want you to go back to the place from whence you came. I want you to speak to Pharaoh. I want you to tell Pharaoh, we're done here and we're all leaving. He goes to Pharaoh with the help of Aaron. He pulls the people out. He takes them across the Red Sea. He takes them into the wilderness, gives them the Ten Commandments, feeds them, leads them for generations. And now he has to this mountain where he's looking out over where they are supposed to arrive. And he says, God says, and now you're going to die. Now, I don't know if that would be relief from everything that it's taken to get there or pain because you don't get to walk into that land. But either way, it's happening. Verse 5 continues, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning over, was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So there's numbers we read all the time in the Bible. When I say the number three, what does it make you think of? Okay, Jesus was in the tomb for three days. Um, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's all sorts of threes in the Bible. When I say the number seven, what does it make you think of? When I say the number twelve, how many twelves are there in the Bible? And then uh, for as, as long as I've thought about it, I've then jumped up to forty. See, forty all the time. But notice they agreed for 30 days. When I read that, I'll be honest, I never noticed that before. And I thought, 30? What? When have you ever seen 30 before? Does 30 even exist? My seminary professor wasn't there, so I asked Google. Okay? How many times does 30 appear in the Bible? Well, it's a couple times. Um, David, King David begins his leadership at age 30. Jesus begins his leadership at age 30. And priests at the time of Jesus, and I, I'm assuming prior to Jesus, would start in sort of an um, assistance role or associate's role at 25, and then would begin in full at 30. There's a couple instances, not many. 
But they grieved him for 30 days. That's a long time. And of course, I'm sure there were unofficial ways that they did and official ways that they did. And there's, uh, we do similar things. And of course, there's times there's little um, phone calls or dates or wanting to pick up the phone and call someone, whatever it may be, where we grieve the loss of a loved one well past 30 days. But for 30 days, they talked about Moses and they were sad he was gone. And at times, the Israelites were very hard on Moses. Immediately when he brought them out of slavery in Egypt, they found themselves pinned between the ocean, the mountain, and the soldiers that were chasing them to bring them back. And what do you think they said about Moses that day? Oh, so you brought us out here to die. Fantastic. Thanks, idiot, for bringing us out here to die. They're not happy. They're not joyful. They don't think he's a solid leader. When they say, we're hungry, and God provides manna. Moses said, this is what you're going to have. The people said, this food's terrible. We don't even like it. Why don't you give us better food? When Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, I'm going to go up here. God is going to communicate with me about our very future. When he was up there, people said, he's gone too long. I don't know if he even cares about us. He's probably not coming back, and I don't know what he'll say anyway. Let's just melt down all our jewelry, and we'll worship that thing. When they wandered for generations far longer than they thought they ever would. You know, when you leave for a trip, you sort of have a time in mind. And if it goes more than five or ten minutes past that time, you sort of start to get anxious. And if it gets an hour past that time, you sort of start to lose your mind. Think about these people, generations. I said, he didn't even know where we're going. But what are they saying during these 30 days of grieving? It's different. This is what they're saying. Since uh, Verse 10. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and all the officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. How often do you think they put that on a little card and handed it to him? Maybe. Maybe they brought him something and said, thank you, this is, you know, we're so grateful to be out here. But in many cases, I think they said, we don't like what we're eating, we don't like where we're going, I'm not sure you know what you're doing. But with God's help, Moses took them to that place. And what are they saying now? How are we ever going to make it without this person? I remember um, in, uh, so the Methodist Church has what's called an annual conference. The entire conference, our state of South Carolina gets together every year in the summer. And um, when I first broke into, I was going to say broke into the league. When I first came into the conference in 2000, it was at Wofford College. Then they started going from Wofford College to Claflin, another United Methodist University. It went back and forth, back and forth. And then our bishop said, we're going to go to Florence and we're going to be in the Civic Center. And everyone said, no, that's, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. I don't want to go to the Florence Civic Center. This, there's not a religious aspect to it. We've gone to Wofford and we've gone to Claflin our whole lives. I don't want to do that. Eight years later, 
we're still in Florence. And it's the civic centers, it's very much like the Bon Secours Wellness Arena brought to you by Bilo, something, you know, whatever that big name is. It's very similar to that, except it's out in a big wide open space, there's hotels surrounding it, restaurants surrounding it. And last annual conference, it was proposed that we should rotate it as they, as they said they might do when we went to Florence. They said, it's gonna to go to Florence, then it's gonna to go to Greenville-Spartanburg, then it's gonna to go to Columbia. Well, we went to Florence and everybody said, well, it's, the price is good here. <laughs> so you said, we're gonna to go to Greenville next year and it's gonna be at the um, TD Center. What do you think everybody said? No, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I love it here. This is where I want to be. And I said, oh. <laughs> Come on, people. And the bishop's daughter, is. She, the bishop has moved on to the Holston Conference in Tennessee. The bishop's daughter is still a minister here. And I said to her, text your mom, tell her people don't want to leave Florence. <laughs> they love it. It's everything we've ever known. And that's what human beings are, though. In that moment, they're thinking, well, wait now. Who's going to lead us? But verse 9 said, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had done what? Laid his hands on him. So my grandfather was a United Methodist minister in the Holston Conference. He was my age. I'm 37. He was my age when he left being a principal and high school basketball coach. He was 6'6". He was a big guy. That was his career. And he decided to leave it to go into ministry. And he had daughters about my daughter's ages. Now, I can identify with him being a United Methodist minister. I cannot identify with him in that I have my career now with my children. He had a career and decided to leave that career with his children right there. I can't imagine me saying, you know what, I'm going to change altogether and start over from scratch at 37. That's what he did. And he served United Methodist churches until he retired and then came to Rock Hill to live within a mile of us. And when I could drive, I would pick him up and take him to lunch. Or we'd drive, you know, he just wanted to get out a little bit. We'd go around. And I asked him a little bit about ministry. But I have been a lifelong Tennessee football fan. What I would mostly ask him about is Tennessee football. That, just, you know, that was what occurred to me at 15. He knew that I was interested in ministry in 1999 when I was going to be a senior in college. And we talked about it a little bit. But my mom, and of course I wasn't home much because I was in college, but my mother said that he would pray for my um, exploration and looking into it in, on December 31st of 1999, he died. And on June 17th of 2000, I started the ministry. And so all those, think about all those years of our connection that never overlapped. And you know, there's certain people that you wish you could ask a couple of questions now that you know what you know. Can you imagine the questions I could ask him about ministry? I just know that he had a, uh, you know, as my mother described it, a very uh, sweet and friendly disposition. And the people that loved him, loved him. And of course, uh, she said there were people in one church that were entirely hostile to him. Here's, you know, some churches are guided by a couple people, and those couple people are rather grumpy for most of life, and those people can really get after you. 
And so I thought, well, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to try to have a friendly disposition. And I'm going to make anyone who's hostile in church life for my career pick up the check for what those people did to him. Because he didn't speak up very much. You know, he was, um, and of course, I've done a number of things where I've had to get loud. Of course, there's good in that and there's bad in that. But imagine the chance of him getting to be here and for me getting to have him and him getting to see me. Or imagine the chance, of course, I went to some of his worship services as a seven-year-old. I wasn't entirely dedicated to what was happening in the service at age seven. But the connection is my mother. My parents never said, of course you're going to go in the ministry. They said, wow, you're going to go in the ministry. And she's been that connection. So, things I want you to consider after reading this text and understanding where we are with these names, these names we've lost. One, think about those people. I'm going to read the names again in a minute. And I want you to think about something, if you know them, that really captures them. And I want you to think about a way that you can carry that forward, if you're capable. As you see these lights on these candles that represent those lives, think about the brightness that those individuals brought, and think about the way that you can carry it forward. The second thing I want you to think about is some of the friendliest things we say about an individual is after they're gone. Just text somebody. Email someone. Pick up the phone. Write a letter. Sometimes you get a letter in the mail. That's amazing. And you say, this is why I love you. Okay? I love you because you are this way. And I'm going to tell you now while we can tell each other. The other thing I want you to notice about this text is that God is the connection between these two people. And as those people journeyed from this place to this place to this place to looking in the promised land, they lost Moses. They said, we are now going to follow Joshua because God has laid God's hands on Joshua. This is the nature of a calling to ministry for all of us that does not end. There's not a completion time. It's something that we do. It's not something that we complete. I was raking uh, leaves with the girls yesterday in our yard, and there, um, we raked the front yard first, and then we put it on the street. And we took a blower to the back. There's a big wind-around driveway all the way to the front. And we drove the leaves all the way out to the front to put them in the pile. And we looked at the front yard, and it was as if no one did anything. No one had ever done anything. And you go, hmm, am I committed enough to do this again? Potentially. Maybe a snack first. And I said to Addison, that's because this is like one, this is one of those things in life that is not going to end. It's not a fight that you win. It's a fight that you fight. It's not something that you complete. It's something that you do. So as I read these names again, as I said, I want you to look at those candles and think about the light that these people offered and consider the things that I asked you to consider. Betty Kay. Wayne Reeve, Tony Hammond, Marion Philpot, Norman Philpot, Sylvia Giles, 
Eloise Hendricks, Dean Price, Steve Rogers, Doris Hatcher, Aggie Glenn, Virginia McClure, Martha Leonard, Mildred Seymour, Beanie Robertson. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand as you're able for hymn number 206.
Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.